Welcome back to the Roll Up Podcast. Great to have everyone back, all of our 45 listeners. Great to have you back, Michael. I'm super happy to see you smiling. You're looking sun-kissed. You're looking... I'm super excited. Oh my God, you're looking so well. I've only uh, only saw you about 10 hours ago. Um, so uh, we shall have a chat with Michael Tilcock uh, in a minute. We'll cover a couple of wonderful topics. We have a question, our first ever question of the week submitted through uh, Michael Tilcock's TikTok account. We are also going to cover the topic of the week, which is the second part to our chat about live golf, which is all about is live golf good for golf? Uh, we will not be talking about morality anymore because we have done that. Um, but before we do all of that, what has happened this week or last two weeks for you, Michael? So I had another stag do, of course. This time it was in Bournemouth um, for a good friend of mine, a.k.a. Welsh Mike was his original name, member at university, and he was known to be a top binner, if you will. Um, so it was a fairly boozy affair down in Bournemouth, Um we went to we went go karting. We went to the water inflatable park. Well, there's a story actually in the paper about someone dying on one of those. You may have seen, but we were at a different one, which I think had the right certificates and all that. That was actually really good fun. Um, we had some. We had a couple of nights out. Bogan bingo. If you've never experienced it, that was that was very cool. Um, bingo, but you know, not boring. Very boozy. So had the stag do a couple of weekends ago and a bit of golf here and there, not too much on. And then this morning, you and I played in the midweek Stableford medal before work, whipped around in three hours. I shot 75, which is six over round Wanstead. So I played to, to my handicap of, well, I had six shots for the first time in a good while. So that was pretty rewarding. Um, how about you, Toby? What have you been up to? Uh, aside, well, let's work backwards from that. So I shot in, I think, an 80. I think I put it in as an 84 when it was actually an 83 because I gave myself a 5 on 12. So I'm, I'm clearly inflating my handicap or attempting to. So <laughs> so not not as nice a day as you. I, my round was over before it began with some 7s, um, which I really wish I could take back. <laughs> um, but lovely to get out. It's sweltering hot now. So I'm super happy we went before all that. And then at the weekend, uh, Hannah and I went paragliding, which is obviously completely not golf related, but my God, what an experience. If anybody ever wants to to really uh, scare the hell out of themselves because you're allowed to do something far too quickly that you um, you really don't feel powerful or, or trained enough to do, go and do some paragliding. It's not quite like jumping out of a plane by yourself because that takes a lot of practice, but to, to be able to go from zero never seen or touched or unpacked a paraglider before to I'm being allowed to fly down this hill with a paraglider is pretty bloody scary. So a very, very good weekend. And on Saturday, there was uh, another comp at Wanstead, which I played all right in. I think I was a net 72. Missed out on on winning my swindle by a shot because lovely old Les came in with a 71 off of a 24 handicap or whatever. I'm, okay, I'm not bitter. That took talking about if we were whipped around in three hours. I think in four balls that took us three, no four, bang on four, and then it took the other four. That's a weekend. That's that's so so right. Yeah, that's fine because we had nobody in front of us on the golf course. We were playing with some quick players. We chastised the other group for being 
absolutely god awful like god awful because we had to play through them but anyway that was i think that's everything in the in the wanted golf crack uh for this week uh right shall we do our very first ever question of the week tell us who we got it from where it's come from what we what we're doing so i have the post-it which i just wrote it down i did a quick tiktok live uh in order to get try and get some questions and i got one very good one from richard goldsmith 21 and i'm guessing that is not a pseudonym that is probably richard's actual name would be my guess um, and he's a top lad having some good chat in the live. His question, I think, is a good one, a good discussion. Do you think the new handicap system is fair compared to the old system, considering you can now have a maximum 54 handicap? And the context of that is in the old system, the maximum handicap you could have was 28. So even if you shot 120, which would be playing to like 48, your handicap would be 28 and you would have to get down to 28 in order to be able to be competitive essentially. Um, whereas in the new system, you can actually shoot 126 on a par 72 and play to your handicap. So opening thoughts from you on that question, Toby. Yes, I will. I'll say a couple of things. One is I think this handicap system rewards people who play more golf if that makes sense compared to the old handicap system so the more the more data you put in the more accurate and a better reflection of of how you are as a golfer you get i think with the old system it it certainly just felt lumpy not only on the the way that they could take strokes but also the the kind of way you could go back you could go back up it was just it was disproportionately kind of lumpy in in both directions i found um but the the other thing I would throw into this before you can kind of come back on some of your maybe totally left left field thoughts on it is uh, I like the fact it increases participation by going that high. What I think it puts on clubs is a should be a greater emphasis on how you then structure competitions. So the idea that a fifty four handicap or a thirty six handicap or even a twenty eight handicap I could could probably argue would win a board comp at a club. Um, makes less sense to me and I think club certainly our club is still struggling with what to do with those kind of high handicaps in things like board comps because um, you end up with they do end up doing the division split for things like medals and that but they haven't quite said that when it comes to a board comp it is 18 or lower for example or it's or it's even single figure handicappers can own for certain comps and so it it sort of disproportionately when our club when clubs actually enforce it it's disproportionately um shafting lower handicappers because it's well it's, it's, much, it's harder to win a comp right it's harder to, the technical right. term it's because it's harder yeah. to it's harder to shoot a net um it's, it's impossible to shoot a net 60 or 61 particularly around our golf course from any kind of single figure handicap realistically whereas whereas anyone who's high teens and then way above can can have an an outrageous round and and set a score that's completely unachievable what do you think? Well, well, I I totally I agree on both counts. Participation is the right sentiment that there's a pathway into golf where you can you can compete basically as soon as you start. Uh, but the clubs have to manage it because you can't have a, a five handicap competing against a fifty four handicap. Um, 
it's hard enough competing against a bandit 12 handicap. But, you know, when you're getting three shots a hole, and anyone can get a, you know, anyone can get a three on a par three, which is a net zero, right? On, you know, hit a good shot and, you know, you can get a birdie on a par three. Um, so the competitions have to be segregated. I would st- I would say 28 is still the level at which they should be segregated. Um, and I like the fact that they usually have like a div one and div two so that people can be compared together, but you're also playing against people of a more similar standard where you've actually got more of a chance of competing with. Um, I think in terms of the actual handicap system, so how it works is basically... They take an average, there are some other rules, but they basically take an average of your eight best rounds out of your last 20 rounds. Whereas in the past, you'd, you'd get a starting handicap basically set from the committee deciding what it should be based on you putting three cards in. And then every time you shot under your handicap by like three shots, it would be three times 0.1, 0.2 or 0.3 would be how much you you came down depending on what category you're in. Um, but whatever, even if you shot 20 shots above your handicap, you'd only ever go up 0.1. So it was very much biased in terms of coming down. Uh, so you'd get people get to their 60s having been a good golfer and it could take them years to ever get up to a realistic handicap again. So this is much better at keeping handicaps current, um, but there's just... the golf clubs themselves need to come in and just monitor the higher handicaps and make sure that it's fair in terms of competition against people with lower handicaps. And also we need to incentivize people to get better because 126 shots is too many to get around a golf course in three and a half hours, four hours. And it is, isn't it? Like it's like two rounds of golf that you're playing. You're never going to be quick enough. So, and if, imagine if you get a, group of 454 handicappers which is great we want people to play but you need to get better before you can play on a saturday in competition you need to go to the driving range you need to go to your pitch and putts and get that handicap down to the your 28s so you can roughly break 100 and then you can start to keep up with play yeah i, I agree with all of that i think the other um the other thing you just sprang to mind as you were talking through was back to the idea what i like about the system which other people don't is you end up with this this little like phase in your uh your eight rounds or in your overall 20 but in the eight counting rounds where you were like shit hot like somebody one of the guys uh in our swindle he he played this one round i think it was close to the end of last season and i think he shot something like three over and so this this poor bastard has had his handicap like just totally anchored to Decimated. this one round so it still has a it still has a bit of that angle to it but the minute the minute that round kind of gets out the system um you or actually the average like you say the averages start to kind of peter out differently to that particular round you you start to gain the correct amount of shots back to make you competitive again to where your game has sort of sort of got to at that period and i think that allows Again, the kind of majority of regular golfers, which are going to be um, probably less than a 36 handicap um, when they when they really get into it, because otherwise I think it's just too hard a game to not enjoy if you're going around in 126 shots. But if you if you end up in a uh, in that kind of position, you know that good round's coming, and so when that when that round does come, 
you're you should be back in a position where that makes you compete for whatever the swindle is or whatever the, the championship is at that point and i think seeing those kinds of wrinkles happen through the first couple of years of implementation has been really really interesting and i think it makes people feel a bit under pressure a bit like oh i'm never going to play to my handicap because of this this and this it's like well at the end of the day you <laughs> you're not there in the old handicap system i remember getting slashed by the committee for a couple of shots because i played a very very good round and that doesn't feel fair that just feels like you're doing it arbitrarily to call me a bandit, which I am. And and but this way round you get the fairness. Well you certainly were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you were fifteen or something, you were the, probably the biggest bandit in the club. So I'm all in I'm all in favour. The, and there's certain people, and we all know who they are, and this is at every club, who will consciously not put cards in because they want to maintain the handicap. And you know who they are because they get into the semi-finals of every knockout competition. Every time there's a big competition, suddenly it's a 42-pointer. Like, it's not hard to track. And I, I actually think handicap committees should be much more active in monitoring for that and cutting people. Because handicap committee can still cut people under the new system. Uh, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it happening. So, yeah, agree agree with your point about um, handicap committees still need to, to get involved and I, the bit I don't know is how that now works because is is it now just done on a on a reported basis? Same as it was, as I understand, they can just intervene if they see. You know, every golf club in the UK at least will have a handicap committee, and they can intervene and cut someone if they if they feel their handicap's not a true representation of their playing ability. <laughs> Uh, last thing I'll say on it is the, the certainly in England, the My England Golf app being able to track like all your rounds at random golf courses is is that brilliant proper. Like for people who only mm. get to do those ten rounds a year um, to to go and play at various places at their mates or or whatever or out uh, well not out of the country that's kind of part of the problem. <clears throat> but at least in England they'll be able to have all that stuff tracked back. I don't know why there isn't a global version of that yet, but that would make it perfect in my view. Yeah, and I, I like following like my mates' progress as well. Like it pops up when they've had a score. And also you can look up random celebrities if you know what golf club they play for. Oh right. So yes. So I have looked up Hugh Grant, Gary Lineker, both at Sunningdale, both low single figures. Uh, but if yeah, if you know anyone's surname and you know what club they play for you can just look up their handicap and you can add them as a friend and they'll certainly ignore you. So you've tried that with Hugh Grant I would imagine. Gary Lineker. <laughs> Hugh, could you just host me at Sunningdale, buddy? Um, big Notting Hill fan. Um. <laughs> uh, good, right. I hope that answers the question. Anything else on that? No, just say thanks to Richard Goldsmith for the question, the first and an absolute storm to start us off with question of the week. And I think it's now time for you to set the scene on the topic of the week, <laughs> a.k.a. Go, go for it, Toby. What is the topic of the week? Topic of the week is, is live golf good for golf? So plenty of us to discuss on that. I will give you first swing at this, uh, at this golf hot potato. Okay, and I think you did mention at the start we are not touching morality this week because we did that last week. Yes. So is is live golf good for golf? Um. So 
pros and cons, obviously. Let's let's talk about a few potential benefits first up. When, I think whenever you get competition uh, in a in a business environment, um, you're going to see the the company that's being competed against, or in this case, a not for profit, the PGA Tour, upping their game and trying to be more in- innovative and more entertaining in this case. And I think we're seeing the PGA Tour have an immediate reaction to Live Golf coming in. They've upped the prize money for golfers. Is that good for golf or not? I don't think it impacts any other people apart from the players. Um, we've seen them look at the schedule to try and make that more interesting. Or maybe they've just tried to do it to make it better for players. I'm not sure. What I think is an in- interesting element of this is, is it good for the the casual golf fan? So Live Golf have come in. They're setting up a new format whereby it's 54 whole tournaments. It's a shotgun start. So in theory, the tournament is done within, each day of golf is done within four hours because everyone finishes at the same time, starts on different holes. If you get that on a proper broadcaster instead of YouTube and they get the coverage really good, I think that could that could be more interesting or at least a little bit different to your average PGA Tour event. And I've been thinking a lot about why I, someone who's obviously super keen on golf that we've set up a podcast to talk about golf and yet i don't watch four days of golf every week on the pga tour when the when the majors are on i watch them pretty much the full coverage when the a big tournament like the players is on i'll watch that but other than that i'll dip in i'll dip out i'll try and watch towards the end on a sunday if i can and if i'm that keen on golf and i'm not finding it compelling enough to do that what about your average golfer i'm back and you're back. What about the average golfer? Are they actually interested in watching the PGA Tour on TV? Uh, and I don't know. I think in the US, you get millions of people watching. I don't think it would be that high in the UK, despite the PGA Tour being on at a really good time for us to watch in the in the sort of early evening. Mm. Um, but I think what I'm saying is there's a possibility that a new format of golf on TV that takes a bit less time and that they try and jazz up in the similar way that they've done in 2020 cricket in the UK, a shorter form, form of a traditional game. That could, over time, become really interesting. Having watched a little bit of the tournament so far, they've been pretty rubbish to watch, I think, mainly because the golf courses have been a bit crap. There's not really been any competitive finishes. The fields are a bit weak at the moment. But I think in the future, it's possible that it, it could be kind of more interested, interesting from a TV point of view. Where Where's your head, head at generally on good for golf? So let, let's do the um, your kind of first point. I think fracturing any sport is bad. So golf is already, when you think about it, pretty fractured because you've already got major tournaments um, being their own sort of standalone premium product and then you've got multiple kind of world tours that have varying coverage pj tour bringing the premium one and then and obviously dp world tour and asia tour and stuff being being kind of down the rung not only in coverage but also in quality 
And I think adding something like live golf into the mix is the same as like boxing, having three different or four different federations that have their own belts and their own championships. And and what happens is with the the viewer, not only the person who goes, uh, the people who go to it in person live, but also the TV viewers, it's just the worst for it because you um, you end well. At least we will be in this period where people don't know what's going to happen long term and whether they can collaborate or work out a league system that takes the best players from everywhere and funnels them into one particular product it's only going to be worse for for all of us as viewers um yes it has inspired moves from pj tour to do stuff about money but again doesn't change the product yet so unless uh the pj tour is actually going to do something revolutionary with schedule and with format which they're kind of beholden to their deals that they have with broadcasters at the moment, then it's just not going to, there won't be revolution in how we perceive the product because we'll just keep going to bloody Ohio and Kansas city and all these places that are pretty boring to watch. Um, so on that, that's kind of my view, like fracturing's only made it only going to make that worse. Um, on the, on the piece around kind of the, the viewer, I'm the same as you, right? I I maybe will tune in for a bit of the uh, YouTube updates and highlights and stuff from a random Thursday or Friday of the PGA Tour. If I can really be bothered, I might try and find a way to watch something on the PGA Tour on a Sunday, but I'm only really tuning in for the majors for a proper four-day kind of coverage because that's the stuff that matters. And like watching, I did watch both. Uh, I've watched a bit of Bedminster. I watched a bit of the Centurion. And I can't remember what the one in between was, but I caught a bits and pieces of it. Like it's, it's so boring. Like it's not there. There isn't a a feeling from the couch that we're now watching something that's fantastic and innovative and wonderful. It's like I I don't know where anybody is. I keep having to watch the stupid tracker down the fucking left hand side of the screen that tells me, oh no, Brandon Grace is on. He's got seven <laughs> holes to go, but but Thing Me Bob over here. Duplicy's only got three holes to go and it's like uh, so like it, it's utterly meaningless and the fact that I think what they've sort of done makes sense again for the players to do that so they're only out there for four hours or whatever or five with warm-up and stuff but from a from a fan perspective like I get zero benefit from that in when I'm well you don't you don't have to watch it for eight hours you can watch it for four hours I think yeah, but we know, we sort of know that we're not going to... So, okay, good point. I think we sort of know we're not going to do that on a Thursday and Friday, which is why you're still on the PJ to have two T starts. Okay, it's not it's not shotgun, but they know they're just trying to get through the field. And then on a Saturday or a Sunday, you're only tuning in for the four hours, if mm-hmm. if at all, for that period when the winners are coming through, right? So, it's, so I think they've tried to solve for a problem that isn't really there. What do you? Uh, let's move on to another aspect. Of it, I think, uh, that is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. You, you, no one, no one watches more than four hours anyway, do they? No, you can't unless you want. If unless you don't want to be married or have any <laughs> other kind of hobbies, <clears throat> you need room to play golf for fuck's sake. And then, uh, <laughs> so what's what's your thoughts on the team aspect? Because like, we can d- get into how it's been implemented. But what, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Um, my th- well, I've got a few different thoughts on this, and I want to bring up something around drafts. So don't let me forget that because yeah. my mate my mate was messaging me about it. And I think it's an interesting topic. So the team element 
you don't know in live golf is basically that the players are assigned to teams. So there's, I think there's like four men in a team or something like that. And they've given them golf pun names like majestics. Um, and I think that's live golf's long-term idea of how they're going to actually make a return on this at some point, which is they will be the owners of these franchises a bit like in American sports where you have franchises that sell loads of merchandise and have fans and, and that sort of thing. I I just, I don't see how that's interesting, right? If, if you think of why team sports are popular, part of it is historical and, and it goes through a family and, and part of it is that you actually play a team sport. And I'm trying to think of another sport where you play individually and then they add up your scores. And I couldn't think of, anything where that's worked before yeah but no one cares about the team element from my point of view people care about the manufacturer's brand Mm -hmm. i think like they would wear a mercedes cap or a mercedes t-shirt but that's partly also because they drive the car as well and i actually thought a, a more interesting way to do it was would to be if the teams were kind of sponsored by golf equipment manufacturers or something like that so that like Callaway would have a roster of players Mm. Um, and maybe there could be a draft each year and instead of your equipment sponsors they could do away with equipment sponsors or do away with some level of them and each year the manufacturers would like bid for who they wanted on their team and to represent their brand and I could see people do have an affinity to manufacturers they're like, oh, I don't like Ping or I love Callaway, whatever it may be. And that fantasy football element of like picking your squad, you know, who's going to be really consistent, you know, who's going to have really good weeks and some bad weeks. I could see that bringing an element where you've got more to watch for because golf relies so much on us wanting to watch individuals like if Rory's playing, I will watch a lot of the tournament. That's a fact. And it's because of Rory. And there's other characters in the game who I will look out for. And obviously Tiger was the biggest of all of them. But if they could somehow give you another affinity and like maybe the big stars weren't playing, but there were some Callaway names in there. And there's there's obviously loads of holes in this, but you can see where they're trying to go with the team element. Yeah. No, and, and I think I think you're right. I think the affinity. I think they've they've literally. I know they keep saying they're a startup, which is incredibly annoying. But that, but you can see that someone's just thrown this idea out and gone right. We can't. We don't have enough players from all the different countries to do national teams, so we can't go there yet because we we just can't fill the rosters like that. We can't necessarily do manufacturers for the obvious reason that they're they're not really going to want to throw their names all over it. Um, so let's just invent some random brands. What what I can see happening over time in the ideal world is it would just become a global tour with with global teams and you would you would end up with uh you would end up with an english team and whatever everything else the the funny thing that would happen in that scenario is the biggest collection of great golfers in the world are all us <laughs> so you just end up with us yeah. team one and us team two well maybe it'd be states right for the us yeah it could be there would be a good Texas or, team. or no- north like northeast northwest mm. southeast yeah, southwest kind yeah, of thing yeah. Uh, um, but on the but the but PGA Tour could do this is what I'm saying oh, rather yeah. than the Live doing yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. Well, they could fight back with a bit of innovation. Yep. 
I agree. And I think I think the the difference I would see in the team element is it makes at the moment the the kind of thing where basically Liv finds a way to give more money to people because you just add up people's score and go, Oh, well, that's a team. Like like a roll up. You go, Oh yeah, we're now gonna make four balls and blah blah blah. Um it that has zero context and interest and in like you say it doesn't have any legacy. So the bit that becomes interesting to me is if you start to run proper team events, so you actually do a Ryder Cup format for one of your events, um, like that's that could be interesting, right? Like the Ryder Cup and President's Cup don't have a, a monopoly on that format. That's college golf. That's like, that's just a format that's consistent for, for actually doing really exciting golf for variety. You can't do that every week. Otherwise, I think it would become stayed as well. But but that's where they need to go. It needs like a dedicated, and this is similar to what the PGL were thinking. So the the kind of precursor idea to doing this sort of format is like you would have an end of year kind of championship and it would then be, you'd save up all that kind of money that lives dolling out each week into a, this is your team event. Like if your team wins, you then get this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And that, like the guys, the, like you say, PGA Tour could uh, try and find a way to do that in the next two years. Like it's not, it's a bit of organizing. You could do it tomorrow. Like you could do it next season. And if like I'm thinking about this on the spot now, but if, what what viewers want is the ability to watch the players they care about more mm. more often and playing in the same events because that's so rare and it's ridiculous how rare it is that you see the top ten players in the world in the same events. It's so rare. But also they want a way to funnel more money to the top players because Basically, the top 20% of golfers are the only ones that any fans care about. So they generate, let's say, 80% of the revenue, standard Pareto rule. So the tour is desperate to give them more money so that they don't defect and you know keep them happy. Um, but if you had this kind of draft thing, it wouldn't have to be the whole season. But let's say you had, you could even have old legends of the game as almost like the 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 face of the team or you know whoever like the team captains kind of thing mm. and they are backed by some i don't know what they're backed by maybe it'd be pj tour money maybe it's not even real money but they, they put together these teams and they play in like you know team event series kind of thing instead of just wgc you could have like a you could almost have like team majors but they'd have to play together in the teams. At the moment, they don't even play in the same groups. Mm. So how are they going to get like the high fives going? <laughs> and I think they'd have to, they'd have to play for like team points. You can't do it where you're just playing a stroke play individual event and then you add up the yeah. score. But there's no team element to that. It has to be you're only playing for the team outcome because then they'd care about it, right? Because that's how they get the money. I think the PJ should be hosted internationally and that would solve a lot of the world tour issues. If you just had one major at abroad, why do we need two US Opens? Which is basically what we've got. Um, but anyway, I think we're coming up to wrap-up time, like just closing statements. I, I think based, my interpretation of the discussion we just had is golf needs innovation for the TV watching audience, but but we don't necessarily think Liv's got it right. And we're kind of both semi-rooting for the PGA Tour to just improve their product to to make it better for spectators. Yes, but spectators both on the, well, spectators from a 
television product perspective. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you you said at the top or started to discuss like why golf is compelling, right? So it's it's the individuals we want to root for, like this major season. It's the individuals you want to root for. It's the it's decent golf courses, right? That affects the story incredibly, affects the product incredibly, and the the magic that can only happen by the best players playing together is you have a really competitive tournament where they're doing the crazy people from a different planet stuff that only professional golfers can do and the i suppose the interesting thing for live will be when they have their first proper like oh wow like the live tournament had high quality like properly high quality golf in it where it is going down to the line between a dj and a bryson and or and a patrick reed right that that becomes a compelling product almost immediately because you've got a tight golf tournament. But what's what's bizarre is the even though they've put a load of the quote some of the best players in the world, I don't think they are, but they've put some of the best players because I think they're all in the downward trend. Uh, they they haven't quite been able to get the the sort of final product of a decent golf tournament out there. So until we see that. Uh, I don't think Liv's, I think Liv's going to continue to have dwindling audiences because they haven't really gone revolutionary or, or innovative enough that they could do with the money they have. It needs to get on TV as well. Like no one watches, no one's, not enough people are going to watch YouTube. If they got it on Sky Sports in the UK or NBC in the US, you'd have different audiences watching. Like, mm. Yeah, I, I suppose you're just not going to find, I, I mean, certainly you're not going to find anything in the US because, because of the long-term deal they've signed with the PGA Tour. But in the UK, it would be interesting if, I mean, the BBC wouldn't touch it with the barge pole, but maybe like an ITV or an ITV2 or something picked it up, like mm. if that would if that would do anything different. But yeah, any any last thoughts on on live golf being good or bad for golf? Um, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's impressive enough so far to be good for golf. But I just think the PGA Tour has such big opportunities to make it more interesting and shout out to Chris White who, who mentioned this kind of draft concept to me. I actually think there's real legs in that because I, I can literally imagine a team of, you know, four or five golfers, maybe four, and they have like a team jersey and they do have like a franchise. They have a team captain and almost having a segregated tour where they, you know, play for team tournaments and you get fans wearing the shirts of the teams they support. Like I could really see that. And if you do it, so you like bid for players like you, they do in the Indian Premier League for cricket and the players get the money to kind of represent their value. I think that that's a really interesting way to mix it up and to funnel more money into the players' hands. But I, I don't think it's good necessarily for, for golf, but it has given the PGA Tour a bit of a kick up the backside. The the last thing I just want to add on the draft stuff because I did want to I want to come on that come in on that before was like I I love I follow NBA sort of um, yeah basically I'm a casual watcher of the NBA and the really exciting stuff that happens is around like their trade gaps so almost mm. like the transfer window stuff in the in football but it's the the difference with the transfer window it's a lot of like rumor and and um sort of nonsense and and papers and stuff whereas in in the states it's such an industry for particularly the nba where players are drafted when they're young and then they you know what's in their contract because it's really transparent you know when their next kind of free agency things coming up you there's a whole 
kind of competition and, and dialogue and podcasts and content to, to digest about how these teams are reinventing themselves, how they're trying to go for the next person, what their assets are in, in making trades. And all of that becomes quite an interesting thing to follow in the in an off season that keeps people talking about a sport. And there's, there's as this matures as an idea in golf, like that could be absolutely what happens. You could know a great young talent's coming up from the amateur game. Oh, who's like, who's going to go after them? Who's going to try and bring in yeah, yeah. The, the next kind of junior am? Do you do it as draft picks? Do you do it as like the bottom person in the league gets to pick them first? Like all of that mechanics becomes really interesting as a product, even beyond watching people play golf. Totally. Um, very good. So take what you want from that, listeners. Is is live golf good for golf? Uh, please jump on Twitter because there is some phenomenal content. Did you see, uh, just before we go, because I have to call out this tweet because it really made me laugh. There was somebody from, uh, it was Live Golf um, something. It was li- some supportive Live Golf account, some burner account from someone at Live Golf social media. And <laughs> it said something to the effect of um, PJ Tour and Live Tour can coexist. It's not that hard. They just need to sort of do it. And so my my response my response to that was Palestine and Israel they can coexist <laughs> they just need to accept they're from different religions ain't that hard guys so mm. jump on Twitter follow all of this stuff because it's brilliant to see where people are coming from um right we will speak to you guys again in a couple of weeks time uh, topic TBC but it'll be good and. If you want to catch up with us, I am on Twitter on at the Roll Up Golf, uh, at the Roll Up actually. And Michael, what is your TikTok handle again? Michael at Michael John Golf on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, nice. Drop drop me some comments. Let me know what you thought of the podcast if you listened to it. And um, yeah, hope you come back next time. Excellent. Happy golfing, guys. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.